words. So Jesus communicates and reveals the knowledge, wisdom, and logic, and reasoning, and character of God. In that way, he is the word. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, he is the radiance and the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Now, like I said, keep this diagram handy as John writes this. In verse 1 again, in the beginning was the Word. Okay, in the beginning, the Word already existed. He pre-existed. And the Son, or the Word, was with God. The Greek word with is pros, which means to be with, but the with part is in a more intimate meaning. Um, In 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul talks about Now we see dimly, but in the future we will see face to face. Face, pros, face is uh, the Greek word used used there. So the the idea of being with is more intimate than than just being next to. It's a a more intimate word. Remember, um, separate person, not separate being. The word was God. Now, without getting into too much of the Greek here, whenever I've not studied Greek. I look up Greek whenever I have questions. But I know that sometimes uh, in the Greek, sometimes words aren't spoken the way we, we spoke them. They're like backwards. But the way that this, this phrase is used, it could equally be said, God was the word, and the word was God. Either way you say that would be correct, as the way the Greek reads that. In verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. Now John circles back to the beginning, only now adding that God was with the word in the beginning. God preexisted the beginning. In verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Word, the Son, is the creator of all things. God is the creator of all things. And skip down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace. So now the Word has become human, like us, yet still the Son. This is the incarnation. And we have seen his glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Remember, John is a witness. He saw the glory of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he was able to witness the glory of his divine nature, the Son. In verse 18, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is the Father's side. He has made him known. Again here, no one has seen God, but Jesus reveals God. He is Logos. He is the Logos of God. He is the information of God. John concludes his gospel by saying, um, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The doctrine of the Trinity is a way to explain how all of these statements that John has made for them to be true. That is, the Son, Jesus, the Son became Jesus. 
Okay, what does this have to do with me? Jesus died for my sins. God created all, the, all things. The Spirit lives in me. I am baptized by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is only one God. I got the important stuff. Well, every, first of all, every generation is tested by those who reject God and his relationship to the Son. There are those who call themselves Unitarians. Unitarians believe in one God. They are monotheists. Jesus taught the very nature of God. Jesus was a prophet, but not God or equal to God. Jesus created is a created being. God is one being and one person, yet they still consider themselves to be part of the Christian church. Mormons also believe Jesus is a created being, the archangel Michael. When the divinity of Jesus is challenged, we need to know why we believe that he is God. The Trinity is not made up. It is a term used to describe what the apostles already believed. It's right there in the pages of Scripture. Be confident in your faith. In Colossians 2, Paul says, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells bodily. The Trinity helps us understand and articulate what Scripture reveals about God. Secondly, when we share the gospel, we need to communicate who God is accurately. I'm a contractor, as, as you know, and generally Menards is my uh, store of, of choice, and sometimes I will have a question about a particular product or how a particular product is used, and that usually finds myself in the plumbing department. Um, and I get frustrated when I go up to a person in the plumbing department to ask my question, and they turn to the back of the product to read the directions of which I've already done. Um, so the point of asking this person is pointless. I now no longer respect anything you have to say. When I go to the plumbing department, I look for one person because I know he'll have the answer to my question. I don't know if he's been to Menards and been in the plumbing section, but there is one guy that I will trust, and I will go to that person every time. Sharing the gospel is very similar to this situation. Knowing and being able to articulate who God is gives credibility to our faith that we profess, and it invites more conversation. You will be sought after. Peter says, always be prepared to bring a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Knowing the Trinity helped us have that defense and a ready answer. And thirdly, knowing the Trinity affects how we worship. Have you ever played the newlywed game or something comparable to it? Um, we are asked things about our relationship. What is your spouse's favorite color? What is your spouse's favorite activity? And if you win this game, you feel great. Your marriage feels solid and you, you, you just go home feeling very fulfilled. If you lose this game, it's a very quiet car ride on the way home. There's also a marital help out there where you identify your spouse's love language. Is it gifts, words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, or acts of service? And the premise is that your spouse values one or more of these things, and you better figure out which one it is. <clears throat> the point is, the better we know someone, the better we can express our love to them. 
love for God should motivate us to know God as well as we possibly can. How can we properly worship God if we have a misunderstanding of who he is? Ponder the eternal nature of God. Ponder the complexity of the personhood of God. Ponder the act of the incarnation. Ponder the unlimited knowledge and power of God. Ponder the roles of each person of the Trinity. The Confession of Faith, from the Mennonite perspective, has a commentary that reads like this. We believe that we, what we know of God through revelation fits with who God really is. To confess that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is to confess that the Son and Holy Spirit are fully divine. It is also to confess that God is one and that God's oneness is in unity with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In this confession, the word God can refer to God who is triune, triune or the first person of the Trinity. Confessing God as Father, Son, and Spirit also emphasizes the shared work of creation, salvation, and final consummation of our redemption. Now, I hope I've articulated the Trinity in a way that is helpful. And if I have confused you, I apologize. Um, if I've raised questions, please ask me. I'll try to answer them as best I can. There will be a quiz next week. Uh, but if, if you remember anything at all, remember our God is one. One in being and three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Son is Jesus, and Jesus is the Son. Let's pray. Father, you are an awesome God. There is none before you nor after you. And we thank you for the Son who came to reveal you perfectly to us. Continue to reveal yourself through your Spirit dwelling in us. Amen. Thank you, Duane. Gave me a lot to think about, I know. Um, join us in standing. I come to the garden alone for the Within my heart 
some friends and we were talking about some scripture from uh, um, the book of Revelation and one of the things that we learned is that God is timeless and I think that's what Dwayne pointed out to us this morning there's no beginning there's no end his word is also sometimes given to us many many years ago but it still pertains to East Bend or any other uh, um, believer today. This is from uh, a blessing that Moses gave to the people of Israel. God's words are timeless. Hear his words. Let's pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. In Peter's two letters, he wrote, Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Let's go in that belief. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son. Go in peace. 